We're glad that you're joining us this morning as we prepare to get into God's Word this morning. And many of their wives join them, so if you need to pray with a woman, uh, if you're a woman, um, then uh, that's what they're here to do. And I'll hopefully remember to remind you of this. Praise the Lord. Open your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter 5. And it's just very apropos of what we were sharing earlier about uh, the election and about some other things I'm going to talk to you about at some point, probably not too distant future, because there are a lot of issues going on. There are a lot of very emotionally charged issues that are stirred up right now in our nation and even around the world. And, and that are, de- listen carefully, that are designed by the devil to divide the body of Christ. They're designed by the devil to des- divide the body of Christ. And if we look at these issues, whether it's politics or racial issues or, or, or social issues, if we look at them through the natural understanding of our mind and the reaction of our flesh, we will fall into the trap that Satan has for us. And the only way to rise above it is to not walk in our flesh, but to walk in the Spirit. It is the key. And when I began this series weeks ago, I really did not have that in mind. It was a particular victory that I saw to have in mind. But it's the victory over everything. God has provided victory for us over everything. We are to be more than conquerors through Christ who died for us. We are more than conquerors through Him. But most of us are leading a defeated life in different degrees, whether it's emotional struggle, bondage, whether it's financial bondage, whether it's physical sickness, whether it's fear, whatever it is, some form of bondage of the enemy, even though the Bible tells us, as I read to you earlier, Jesus has already defeated Satan and set us free. There's a... This, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'll say it. There's a movie. It's a, it's, a, it's a humorous movie. And the reason I like it is because of one particular scene. And it's a movie with James Garner. I don't talk a lot about movies, but this really describes it. And those of you who've seen the movie may recognize It's called Support Your Local Sheriff with James Garner, who is going on his way somewhere else. And he ends up, because he runs out of money, stuck in this town that's terrorized by this whole family. They just regularly come through and they shoot everything up. And, and they just, they're intimidating this town. And Garner's not particularly brave. He's not a great gunfighter, but he's clever. And so they hire him, although every, all the other sheriffs have fled when they saw the enemy coming in. And, and so he accepts this because he needs the money. And so they take him to the jail. Oh, one of the, the youngest b- brother, boy of this family that's, that's terrorizing everybody, shoots somebody, kills him unfairly in a gunfight in the saloon, and Garner's standing right there. So this is a direct challenge to his authority, so he arrests him. And they're all shocked that he would arrest him because the rest of the family is going to come in and try to break him out. And you got the, you've got them angry at us. We're going to, you know, if, this is what the devil does. Don't, don't do anything right because, uh, you know, you're going to get the devil mad. I've heard people say, oh, don't say that. The devil's going to be angry at you. He already is angry at you. <laughs> He's defeated. And so he takes him into the he takes him into the into the into the, the sheriff's office, and he goes back into the jail and discovers there's a more slight problem. They ran out of money, so they've constructed the cell with bricks, but they ran out of money for bars. So there's prison cells, but there's no bars on them. So 
they, this prisoner laughs at this, and he puts him in there. But before he does that, James Garner goes out and gets some red paint, and he spills it on the floor in front of the in front of the, uh, of, the, of the of the cell. And then he brings this boy in and puts him in there, and they laugh at him. He says, "You expect me to stay in here? There's no bars in here." He says, "You see that red down there? That's blood." That's the last guy that thought he could get out of here even though there were no bars. And he starts backing up. And he sits in there curled up in a corner in a cell that has no bars. And that's where most Christians are. Jesus destroyed the bars. We just read that earlier. Hebrews chapter 2. He took on flesh like you and me that he might destroy, not the feet, destroy him who had the power of death. That is the devil, who through the fear of death have kept those in bondage of fear their whole life, a fear of death. The bondage of fear is the bars that hold you back from serving God, from fulfilling God's destiny, from being all that God's called you to be. And Jesus ripped the bars off the prison cell so you can walk out anytime you want to. But the devil tries to intimidate you by showing you that there's blood on the floor. You've tried that before and you failed. You've never succeeded. You've rebuked me and it didn't work. You've done this and it didn't work. He's trying to, he's a, he is a liar and the father of lies and there is no truth in him. And so when the father shows up, he comes and says, you're some kind of idiot. What's keeping you in here? And that's what our father looks at us. He doesn't call us idiots. He says, why are you still in prison? Why are you still bound up? Because we believe the lie of the devil more than we believe the word of God. Because we walk dominated by our flesh more than we do dominated by our spirit. And that's what's behind this series of walking in the Spirit. We started talking about spirit, soul, and body, understanding that there are three parts of you. You have a body, you have a spirit, which is the real you, and you have a soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, your, your personality. Your body is from the kingdom of this earth, the natural world. We talked about there's two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of this natural world, this material substance that God created in Genesis chapter 1. Then there's the spirit realm, which is eternal. It's what God comes from. God is a spirit. And everything in that realm is spirit. It's eternal. It never changes. It's glorious. It's marvelous. It's all-powerful. And you live in those two kingdoms. Your spirit is from that kingdom, and your body is from the kingdom of this earth, and your soul is the bridge between the two of them. We spent time going over that. Because here's what it is. God's, when God created Adam and Eve, they lived dominated by the spirit person that they were. They had a body, but they weren't even conscious of their body. It says at the end of chapter 2 of Genesis, they were both naked and were not ashamed. To be naked and not ashamed means you're not aware of your body. They had it, but they weren't conscious of it. I mean, they, they, ate, they, they, you know, they did things with their body, but it was not influencing them. But once sin came in, once they gave in to sin it all reversed themselves and they immediately became afraid and self-conscious. It's they said we hid because we were naked and we were ashamed and we were afraid. They suddenly became aware of themselves and not as aware of God. And Jesus came as the second Adam to reverse that. 
to reverse when he had the same temptation that Adam had, he obeyed where Adam disobeyed. And by doing that, he defeated for all of those who were in Christ the power of sin over our lives that was brought into our lives, into this world, through Satan. And that's the victory. But what we're learning is how to walk that victory out. I read scriptures to you before, and we could spend the whole morning reading scriptures to you about the victory that we have in Christ. But we have to enforce that victory in our own lives. We have to enforce that victory in our own lives. Just because Satan's power has been broken... Now, that's if you're in Christ. If you've never given your life to Christ, Satan still has authority over your life, and he still has power over your life. But once you give your life to Christ, it says in Colossians 1.13, we change kingdoms. Having therefore been delivered from the dominion of darkness and transferred over into the kingdom of his beloved Son... So if you've given your life to Christ, you've changed kingdoms, and therefore Satan does not have dominion over you. But here's the issue. During, during the Civil War, they discovered there were so many soldiers that had to have limbs amputated, they discovered a principle that there's a thing called nerve memory. And they would amputate a soldier's leg or arm, and then when they were recovering, they would still feel that leg that was gone. It would still itch. And they discovered that even though the nerve was cut off at the, at the knee, the memory of that nerve in the brain was still operational. And Jesus has defeated Satan in your life. But the memory of what he's done, the memory of who, what you've been, the memory of those things is still alive in our mind. And that's why we are transformed by the renewing of our mind, learning to think what God's Word says about us, and then to speak and act what God's Word says about us, whether we feel it or we don't do it. Now, to do it, we have to learn to operate more aware of the spirit man on the inside of us than the physical body on the outside of us, and this is a process. So what we saw in, 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 uh, in Galatians 5.16 is that the way we overcome the flesh is we walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And most of us are trying to overcome the flesh by trying harder. And that's trying to overcome the flesh by using our flesh. But the Bible says that what we are to do is begin to walk in the Spirit and we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We won't fuel it anymore because the flesh is weak, Jesus said, but the Spirit's willing. So that's what we're learning how to do. How do we do that? We've also saw later on he talks about being led by the Spirit. We looked in Romans chapter 8 about being led by the Spirit, about walking in the Spirit. What does that mean? It means to live your life more conscious and aware and in touch with the spirit man on the inside of you and the Holy Spirit than you are with the natural circumstances around you. Now understand, when you drive home today, you need to be aware of the physical realm around you so that when you pull out on 195 and there's an 18-wheeler bearing down on you, don't pretend there's not an 18-wheeler bearing down. Believe what your eyes see, but that's just for operating in this natural realm. When it comes to things that God has said, when it comes for spiritual things, 
We need to learn to operate dominated more by the spirits on the inside. The victory's on the inside of you. We sang healing is here. It's on the inside of you. The kingdom of God is on the inside of you. Everything God's ever going to do for you and give to you is on the inside of you right now by the Spirit of God. Pastor Kurt quoted Romans 8.11, For the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, think of the power that that Spirit has, dwells in you. He will quicken and make alive your mortal body. That's not just talking about the resurrection from the dead. That's talking about healing. That's talking about deliverance. Everything you need from God is in you now. We're not trying to pray it down out of heaven. That was the Old Testament. We have a covenant with God. And in a covenant, we don't have time to get into this this morning, but in a covenant... When the two parties enter into it, everything that they're ever going to do is laid on the table. So when God entered into a covenant with you through Christ, He laid everything on the table, Romans 8, 32. He who spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all. How will He not also together with Him freely give us all things? It implies in the Greek at the same time. Oh, Lord. We have communion this morning, which is, I'm glad we do. But I'm sure, yes, sir. I do not take lightly communion. That's not what I meant, sir. So let's turn to Second Corinthians chapter four, because we're going to begin to learn how do you do this. How do you do this? How do we learn to walk dominated, aware of, and led by? the Spirit being this on the inside when we're so little conscious of it. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Therefore we do not lose heart. Now, we don't have time to go back, but if I read to you some of what Paul went through, you'd see why he was tempted to lose heart, get discouraged. I mean, at one point... You see that in, in, in 1 Corinthians. He cried out to God because there was a messenger of Satan. It wasn't disease and sickness. It wasn't some eye disease. It was just what Paul said it was. A messenger of Satan sent to buffet him. That word buffet means oppose him. Everywhere he went, there were people opposing him, trying to throw him in jail. The religious people were, were they would set cause riots wherever he went. So you can get weary of that after a while. Earlier in this chapter, he says, there are times I've been perplexed. Chapter 1, he says, at one point I despaired even of my own life. So Paul was human. And there were times when he felt weak and overwhelmed and just, this isn't worth it. I want to give it, I want to go home and be with the Lord. I'm done. Have you ever felt that way? Well, you're not alone. Paul felt that way. But he encouraged himself in the Lord. And so this is how Paul was able to walk in victory over those circumstances. For we do not lose heart, even though our outward man, that's the body, is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed. That's his spirit, day by day, getting stronger. And that's where you are. Your outward man is perishing. It's in the process of getting older, physically getting weaker. That doesn't mean you can't just slow the process down by taking good care of yourself. But eventually your body is going to get tired. It's going to wear out. It's not, it, it's not designed to last forever, this body. 
But that's not who you are. This was Paul's perspective. My inward man's being renewed day by day. I love this. For our light affliction, which is for a moment. If you went back and looked at some of those afflictions, I love the new, the new American standard. It says this momentary light affliction. I mean, he was stoned for death. And they came and raised him from the dead. He went right back into the same city. He's in prison in Philippi, in the inner prison, in chains, in darkness, in whatever else was down there. And at midnight, he and Silas start praying and singing praises to God so much that the prisoners heard this. It was so powerful that an earthquake came, and when the earthquake came and all their, 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 their chains were broken off of them, they stayed there singing. They were still having church. Not only did they stay, but the other prisoners stayed. We're talking about thieves, murderers, people that couldn't wait to get out of there. There was something going on in that prison that was so powerful that the other prisoners were, 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 in, in hand, were, were enthralled by what was going on there. In midnight, which is the darkest time. So Paul had a perspective that gave him victory. This momentary light affliction, look at this, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So whatever you're going through this morning, whatever it is you're dealing with, whatever it is that's coming against you, whether it's fear, sickness, and disease, financial issues, whatever the enemy is using to try to choke you off and to keep you down, and whether you're getting weary in the battle, understand this, your way you approach that is earning something for you. Not your salvation. You can't earn that. But it's earning for you a reward for being faithful. Because what Satan wants to do is to get you to quit. Satan's goal is to get you to quit. It's that simple. And if you can understand that and keep your focus on, I don't care what you do to me, I'm not quitting. I'm not quitting. I'm not quitting. If you kill me, I still don't quit. I get promoted. But I'm not quitting. I'm, not, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm not quitting. I'm going to tell the devil. Now, I mean, I'm telling you, I'm not quitting. I'm announcing to the devil, I'm not quitting. I'm announcing to God, I'm not quitting. Not in my strength, but in his strength. You're going to join me? We're not going to quit. We're not going to quit. We're not going to quit. It's earning for us. Listen to this. Listen to the comparison. What you're going through is a momentary, in terms of eternity, light affliction. And it's earning for you as you go through it the right way an eternal, forever, weight, heaviness of glory. Something that I guarantee you the moment you get to heaven and see what your faithfulness got you, you will never for a moment regret anything you went through in order to succeed and do what God's called you to do. See, the devil doesn't want you to think in terms of eternity. The devil wants you to think in terms of today, right now, and the past. Oh, this has been so difficult. I'm so tired. I've fought him for years. I've fought him for years. Nothing seems to be happening. That's all looking back. Then he wants to have you looking forward and nothing's going to change going forward. He's trying to take your hope away from you. 
Because if you can take your hope away from you, there's nothing for your faith to give substance to. For our momentary light affliction is earning for us a more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And here's the key, verse 18. For we look, we do not look at things which are seen. Now, that's easy. Everybody look at me. Right? You're looking at me, right? Now close your eyes. Now you're not looking at something that's seen. All you have to do to not look at something you've seen is to close your eyes. Now open them up again. But he goes on. He says, So we look not at things that are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Whoa, whoa, that's a little trickier. I can not look at things that are seen by just closing my eyes. I just choose not to see them. Men do this all the time. I didn't mean to go there. Help me out. (laughs) She's not going to help me out. How do you look at things that are how do you look at things that aren't seen? Because you have two sets of eyes. You have these physical eyes, because we talked about in the natural realm, your senses, you can tell what comes from the material realm because your five senses detect them. You can see, remember I told me, see this pulpit? So the first thing he's talking about, looking not at things that are seen, are things in this material realm. So to walk in the Spirit, you've got to choose to not be looking at. And to look at means to pay attention to, to rely upon and trust in. It's not just gaze at. It means you're looking to. And this is where, this is where carnal Christians are. They go through life looking at things that can be seen with their natural senses, relying on these things. Well, the doctor says, I've got this. Well, the the doctor may have found something with their test. It may physically be there. Now, are you going to look at that to tell whether you're healed or not? Or are you going to look at something else? doesn't mean we deny what's there. I don't deny this pulpit's there. But we to look at things that are not seen take a different set of eyes, and those are the eyes of your spirit. Ephesians chapter 1, Paul prays that that God would open the eyes of our understanding. Open the eyes of our understanding that we would see the hope of His calling. You can't see heaven with these natural eyes, but the Spirit of God can open the eyes of your understanding and ear to begin to see and hear. We've talked about one of my favorite scriptures. You hear me pray this all the time. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9, Eyes have not seen. These eyes. Ears have not heard. These eyes. Nor has it entered into the heart of man, the mind. All that God has prepared for those who love Him. But the Spirit has been given to us to reveal those things. Yes, even the deep things. So the Spirit inside of us, this Holy Spirit, has been given to open the inner eyes to see into the kingdom of God what God's provided for us. But we choose which we're going to look at. 
we choose in every situation which we're going to look at, which is what I was addressing about the election. So when all these issues come up and everybody gets upset about this, you've got to choose, okay, but what do I hear in here? I've told you courtroom situations where everything in the trial was against me and my mind was screaming at me, but I learned to listen in here to what the Spirit of God was telling me to do. And this is not something you master overnight, but if you don't know you have inner eyes and you have the Spirit of God in there to help you and enable you to see these things, then you're going to live the rest of your life carnally. doesn't mean you won't go to heaven, but you'll miss out on all God has for you and you most likely will not do what God's called you to do. And you'll make it, but you'll live eternity regretting that you didn't do what you were called here to do. We need to get a hold of that because the time's short. Oh, Lord, and my time's short. Verse 18. For we do not look at things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. And we're going to have to end with this understanding. In every situation of your life that's going on, whether it's personally within you, whether it's in your family, whether it's in, in, in the church, whether it's, in, whether it's in, the, in, the, in the world, in the politics, there's two components to it. There's this natural, carnal, worldly component, and there's a spiritual component. The world, those that are not in Christ have no choice because spiritual things are spiritually discerned. They're ignorant. That's why Jesus said over and over again, you don't understand the words that I say because you're not of the Father. If you were of Him, you would understand what I have to say. They cannot understand spiritual things. But if you're in Christ, His Spirit is in you. That's how you got in Christ. And you have the ability to discern spiritually what's going on. The problem is we've been lazy and we've spent very little time in tune with the Spirit because we're so dominated by the things of the flesh, we don't even know the difference in many cases. But I have good news for you. We can learn and we must learn how to do that. Let's pray. Father, we live in a very dangerous time right now. Many of us are dealing with difficult issues in our own life. They may be health issues. They may be emotional issues. They may be family issues. They may be financial issues. They may be all of those. We're living in a, in a world that's so scary, almost getting scarier day by day. The darkness just seems to increase. And yet you put us here for such a time as this. You put us here for the church to be triumphant, to overcome. And you've made promises to those of us who will overcome. And Lord, you've made clear from your word that the way to overcome in our own life, the way to live out the victory that you've won is to learn to walk in the Spirit, and not in the flesh. And so we come to you right now, Father. We've seen through your Word that there's a difference between the flesh and the Spirit, a difference between the natural world and the spirit world. We've seen what you've done. Now we ask you in this week ahead to make us more sensitive. Make us more sensitive to the Spirit who lives in us. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to talk in a few weeks about how to develop your spirit.
how to develop that sensitivity. But it begins just by realizing you have a choice to make what you're going to look at. Are you going to look at God's Word about the situation? Are you going to look at what God's telling you in here? Or are you going to look about what your senses tell you?